1: Fellow adventurers, I am continuing Proving Ground 6 and during the scenario a seer in the shadow. Begin. Conclusion of the previous part. As you step through the arch and into the shadowy passage, you bump into two masked men moving out of the dark tunnel. You instinctively apologize, and each of the men nods in response, slapping you on the shoulder as he passes. The other, taller than the first, his eyes intently fixed on you, seems about to speak, but suddenly turns and continues into the room. You glance back at me, but are quickly forced to return your attention to the tunnel you're entering as you hurry to keep up with our Olmec. Not for the first or last time, your thoughts drift away, flushing far away from the dark passages. the desperate men, and the fire and death that has served as your disheartening first glimpses of cardson. Images of Sarngard of the stark silhouette of its imposing keep, the sinister, masked face of the Fane whose fortress has become, and the star-filled sky that held the outset of your long and perilous mission, all passed through your thoughts in a blink of an eye, your mind swiftly returns to the present, and you move up to the side of your silent companion. Hope the seer, of whom Omlach has spoken so highly, will be able to make plain that which others as the star only hinted at. Perhaps when you when you then you will finally be able to align both your heart and mind with the struggle. The outcome of which you're beginning to think were severe and lasting consequences that reach far beyond the walls of the Sorcerer Lord's city. And now, you pass swiftly through a twisting maze of dark tunnels, following Olmec closely as he adeptly navigates the labyrinth of passages that run deep beneath the streets of Cardson. Now and again, The self-proclaimed leader of the rabble pauses, and the two of you strain your ears for any sign of movement in the tunnels that surround you. These tunnels have been our lifeblood, he whispers to you during one such pause. Of course, now they are known to our enemy, at least in part. You will need to make haste, make use of them before they become death traps. For good or ill, Zoop, this will all be over soon. Holymac waves his hands, signaling the two of you are to continue at once. With that, you set off at the heels of the man. Upon those rel- guidance, you are now completely reliant. After nearly an hour, having passed through several collapsed sections of the tunnel, and made your way along narrow ledges and skirted pools of deep, murky water, you arrive at the threshold of a dry, broad corridor. The new passage slopes downwards for nearly three dozen yards, and ends at a towering stone arch. Dense gloom fills the void beneath the ornate stone gate. Olmec stops before setting foot in the passage and turns to you. She's down there, in the chamber just beyond the arch, he says. She's guarded by her own, and i only warn you to mind ourselves. Our cause is not ours, Sartre tells. We seek the same end, more or less. I will not go down there with you, Zup. My presence isn't likely to be helpful. I know little more about this business than my own small part in our struggle is in your hands now. Show her those journals, and will we place faith in that which our own has entrusted to you? knots and waves his hands. The dark arch at the far end of a sloping corridor tells you we will wait here for you. Without word, you return his nod and start down the passage, increasingly confident with every step ta- taken in close conclusion of a long, perilous affair. As you draw up to the arch, you note that it marks the threshold of another sloping passage. You step under the arch and make your way along the new corridor in the dark until, at only a dozen yards, the hall ends at a wooden door. Thick bands of iron cross the damp timbers, reinforcing a barrier that, in your estimation, was only recently erected. Suddenly, the door swings inward, and you find yourself confronted by a tall, unshaven, chain clad man, his hand glitting gripping the hilt of a sword sheathed at his sights. The dark haired, middle aged man looks looks you over for several moments before moving to the side and allowing you to enter. Without exchanging a simple word with him, you step through the open door and into an empty chamber, a room lit only by the flickering glow of a single lamp. Dangling from a peg that protrudes from the far wall. The moment you step into the chamber, the door behind you closes. You turn to find the chain-clad man standing in front of the lone exit, one hand resting on his hip, and the other clapping the hilt of his sword. Before you can even contemplate this sudden and strange turn of events, a soft, feminine voice from somewhere in the chamber to you by name this is not the first time we've met, says the voice, though I pray it will be the last. Time has grown short, and our enemies draw near as you turn away from the armored man, stunned to find a wo- find a wooden table and four chairs in the center of the previously empty chamber, sitting on the opposite side of the table, directly facing you. It's a young woman. Your heart nearly skips a beat as you immediately recognise the face staring at you out of the gloom. It's the face of the sorceress you previously met atop the smoking hill, the jagged hills on Sangard Isle. The young woman smiles and offers you a chair. I see you haven't forgotten, she says, though it is unlikely we call this chamber despite the fact you have been here before on your last visit you died right over there in the corner next to the door the words of the words of the sorceress send your mind wheeling. Meekly ask her what she's talking about what do you recall of our first meeting she asks ignoring your inquiries there are no more mysteries Zoop. all will be made plain to you here in this chamber As has been done before. But but I must first know. What you remember. Struggling to maintain the clarity of your thoughts. Recall your first encounter. With the sorceress. On the summit of the smoking hill. Of Sangard Isle. You clearly recall. Your first encounter with the sorceress. Following a long. And strenuous climb. Up a narrow track. That skirts the edge of the hill. You find yourself standing on its broad flat, rocky summit. Middle of a small wing of trees, not far from the northern side of the hilltop, stands a weathered, high tent. Several piles of burning wood, scattered across the top of the hill, send thin columns of smoke trailing into the air. You've been studying the tent for only a few seconds, when its warm flap is suddenly thrown back. And a tall, slender woman, clad in a combination of green cloth and fur steps out. The woman, those delicate, useful countenance, seems at odds with the ruggedness of her chosen abode. Bows deeply. Your pause quickens when you realize this woman this is the woman whose face appeared to you on the surface of the stone disc. At last you have arrived. wide. She says, leaning much of her weight against the gnarled wooden staff that stabs into the ground at her feet. It's fate that has brought you to this isle, and into these hills, indeed, to the doorstep of my dwelling, Zoop. The mention of your real name by this woman alarms you. Before you can ask her how she came to know it, however, she again speaks, answering your question before you can even attempt to voice it. I've been called the Sorceress of the Hills, and even the Sorceress of Sargard, she says. She finds herself being captivated by a soothing glaze. Neither of those names suit me, and indeed, I know of none that does, though I suppose I might just be a sorceress after all. But such things are of little consequence. What matters is the events I've long known would unfold have been set into motion, and have dust and even now have begun to spin towards their conclusion. As she finished speaking, pale shadows fall over you, and you instinctively turn your eyes skyward. You continue to recall your first encounter with the sorceress. Two large hawks, their black tipped wings spread out wide against the deep blue sky, soar in and land on the woman's shoulders. The majestic birds focus their fierce eyes upon you as if they regard your presence on the hilltop as an intrusion. "'You've come to me seeking answers,' she says, "'and I will help you as best I can. "'You found me not a moment too too, too soon, Zoop, "'for you and your allies are in great danger, "'danger that grows each passing day. "'Ask the sorceress who it is she refers to "'when she speaks to your allies.' And what the so- what source of peril it is that threatens you. Do not look to know more than you can yet hope to, she says, her tone and demeanour softening. You will know your true friends in your hour of need, and you have certainly already guessed at the source of the danger of which I speak. Your judgment is thus star to be praised, but sound thinking alone will not keep you out of the jaws of your enemies. You boldly ask the sorcerer if she's connected with the etched stones you discovered on the island. She smiles and nods. You continue to recall your first encounter with the sorceress. There is a great secret hidden on this isle, she says, as the hawks perch on her shoulders. Porched on her suddenly take to the air, but swiftly quickly alighting on her shoulders again. It's a secret that was hidden long before men. Took any interest in the treasures to be found in the depths of Sarngard. You ask the sorcerer if the secret is in any way related to the fragments of Ravenbone you discovered in your explorations of the Isle. She slowly shakes her head. She tells you that while Ravenbone is connected with it, it is only incidental to the core of the secret that has long-rested. And obscurity on the treacherous shores of the isle. You are on a path that is destined to collide with the very heart of this secret, she says, her voice suddenly adopting a grave tone. You will face peril far greater than in which you have thus far confronted, far greater than perhaps any you have known. For this matter is put in the rest, and all is set white. Before you can ask her several of the questions that linger on the tip of your tongue, the sorceress hands you a small platinum coin. There are six others like it, she says, answering your next question, before you even had a chance to pose it. Return to me when you possess all seven, and I will then and I will provide you with what you will then need, only when you hold all seven of the coins. You stand at the threshold of the great secret, under the shadow of very wheel, and intimate peril. You ask the sorceress who she is, and how she came to know about the purported secret of which you has spoken. Do you not recognise me? she says, smiling. My now so different? No. I don't expect you to do in my face, or remember my voice. It was another time and place. Chapter now closed forever. You continue to recall your first encounter with the sorceress. You ask the sorceress about the significance of the etched stones you discovered, holding one of them for her to look at. She glances at the stone for a moment, then nods, bringing her eyes up to your questioning gaze. They shall serve their purpose soon enough, she says, her silky voice adopting a reassuring tone. At the end of the days that lie ahead, their use will be made known, and you will be thankful to have dutifully kept all of all that have and will come into your possession. Without warning, the sorceress pauses and leans heavily on her guard staff, as if overcome by weariness. At the moment struck by the notion she suddenly seems alone and vulnerable in this wild and inespotiscible region of the isle. Let's go why she hasn't sought refuge in a human-controlled area, and tell her you he will be glad to lead her back to the keep. You are kind, she says weakly, but you must remember that nothing on these shores is what it seems. I am in no danger here, but that does not mean peril doesn't surround us. All will be made plain to you, Soup. You are closer to the heart matters before you than you could ever realise. You're about to speak again when the sorceress holds up her hand and tells you she is tired. I'm afraid I need just a bit of rest, he says, casting her eyes skyward before turning and stepping back towards her tent. You must return here when you have all seven coins, and you must not delay. You continue to recall your first encounter with the sorceress. The sorceress bids you farewell and retreats into her tent leaving you alone on the top of the hill. Take one less look around at the rugged, unforgiving environment in which she has made her home, before beginning your descent along the narrow, winding track that will take you back to the base of the towering peak. When you reach the foot of the hill, you glance back at the summit far above, there in stark contrast with the pale blue sky, and the dark silhouettes of two circling, broad-winged horse, taking a few moments to rest your legs, you once again set off on your exploration of the jagged hills. We are a long way from the top of that hill, the old woman says, as she drums her fingers against the edge of the table. Further still are we from the beginning of all of this, an age or so memory still serves me and the seer they told you about, soup, But your friends, this rabble, they know precious little about the affair in which they find themselves entangled. They seek only to overthrow the Grand Sentry, century. and yet, he's little more than a single soldier in a vast army. An army that has spread itself wide, across the breadth of time. You demand the senior identify herself and speak plainly. When you ask her what she meant by, you've been here before, on your last visit, you died right over there, the corner, next to the door. She nods once. My name, though of little importance, is Kalyarath, and you and I have met at this critical juncture of space, of place and time on seven previous occasions, he says. Hope for our cause, the entirety of which you are about to realise that this will be our last meeting. But the power I yet retain the ability to wield, you have travelled back, back through time on six occasions to counter the evolving strategy of a foe that warps time to suit his will. To serve a purpose that serves no living thing. You've made mistakes, Soup. And so have we, but at this juncture, at this precise joining of time and place, these those mistakes have been corrected, and your path to victory over a nameless but vastly powerful enemy at last takes shape. Carla left pauses, and is expecting you to act what she has told you, realizing you will learn more by allowing her to speak. You refrain from voicing the questions now brewing your mind. She promptly continues The enemy is nameless She says It has assumed thousands of names On thousands of different worlds Worlds like Like yours We We suspect Its motives are deeper Than we might hope to guess Its purpose is not our concern The enemy achieves Its mysterious ends With the bending of time The destruction of the those realities, those threads of time and place that threaten this conquest. This world, your world, is one of the threads our enemy is determined to expunge. You ask Caliph in defeating the Grand Century is the victory she mentioned moments ago. She nods, but quickly holds up her finger. The one known to you as the Grand Sentry but a single agent of the enemy. He is an unwitting accomplice, though he remains perhaps the most powerful of the enemy's agents I have yet to encounter. Defeating him will forever remove the threat facing your world, but our victory against the Grand Sentry is to be achieved elsewhere, in another time and another place. The agent of our enemy must be defeated before he is allowed to assume his destiny. You ask her why it is the nameless enemy seeks to destroy this time and place, and if the foe possesses the ability to bend time to its will, why has it not yet been able to affect such destruction? Our enemy is not alone in its ability to warp time, she says, smiling. I am one of a group of seven that has long battled this evil soup. We seek to preserve the natural course of time, devoid of the sinister manipulation of an entity that power and determination. If thus far been able to match, it must be known though that our fear our ability to do so is waning. We are the reason the enemy is yet to achieve it hence, but our time. Despite the sway we hold over it, it's coming to an end. Khalif pauses and folds her hand on the table. You asked why the enemy seeks to destroy this time and place, this reality? She says, the intensity of her gaze suddenly unnerving you. The enemy knows the greatest danger, its best laid plans, is to be found here. The entity that seeks the destruction of this world It's a wager from time, past, present and future. It's determined to remove the threat it has perceived. A threat that bears the potential to bring about its utter demise everywhere. The seer pauses and and you ask ask her if she is the threat the enemy is seeking, comfort of the answer you'll receive before you even finished. Posing the question. No soup, she says. It's you. Still reeling from careless revelation. That you are the threat. That have caused the nameless enemy. To target this time and place for destruction. And raise you from existence. Ask her how this came to be. You find her so suddenly lair of this woman. and doubtful of the elaborate tale. she's thus far weaved. You are at present unknown to our enemies, she says. You have been discovered seven times. Three times elsewhere, the last four, right here in this chamber. I need not tell you that all seven of those discoveries have ended with your death and certain victory for our first so, foe. I kind of told you that while she and her confederation possess the ability to transverse time and reality, the power is beginning to weaken. She fears this will be the last attempt you will be able to make to defeat the Grand Sentry. Throw the designs of the nameless enemy into irre- irrecoverable chaos. I'm not here exclusively, she says suddenly, as if disclosing an uncomfortable secret. I, as to the rest of my order, exist throughout time. You encounter me in your past, you may again in the future, and you are here before me now. The same can be said of a thousand heroes of a thousand different time. Those fates I watch over to ensure they are not unjustly altered. Caliph pauses for a moment, and if this draw, thoughts drift back to encounter with Al, with Al in the cave on Sarngart Island, Following your emergence from the Oreos portal, which has transported you from Shrine Island. Clearly, recall the encounter. At the back of the cave, you find the familiar, black, pulsating vortex that is time and again faithfully bore you to and from the perilous shores of Sangard. You linger a few minutes before the portal, listening intently to the sounds of the forest outside, eager to anything that would suggest your companions are nearby. When it becomes apparent you are alone, you quickly decide your best course of action is to return to Twinned Keep. Taking one final look around at the gloomy, gloomy interior of the the cave, you step towards the swirling portal. Just like that then, the voice from behind you, barely above a whisper, startles you causing your heart to skip a beat. You spin round to confront whoever it is at your back, but there was no one there. Here The voice, this time to your white, is louder, clearer, and instantly recognizable. You turn to find yourself face to face with our The master thief regards you with a suspicious, unfriendly gaze. I nearly gave up on you, he says. Your friend, the sorceress, did give up. But to be fair, she did wait around here for the better part of two days. Confused, you ask Al what he means. You never arrived here with us, he says, still regarding you with obvious suspicion. The caster said you were lost, that the attempt to teleport the three of us was too bold. We appeared right outside the cave. She said we would, but but you never did. You've been gone five long days, my friend, and it's put us in a bit of a rough spot. You continue to recall the encounter, without disclosing much of anything about the four grim visions you experienced while being teleported. You craft an account of your trials, starting at the exact moment Uriel began to summon her magic, and concluding with your reunion with Al in the dark hollow back of this hidden cave. The master thief sighs, and quickly apologises for what he said previously. As precious little time as it is, he says, this delay has cost us more than we might be able to afford. That's put me a bit on edge. It's wrong for me to find fault over something out of your control. The sorceress might have been able to save us a long trek, but she apparently had more urgent matters elsewhere. We best not waste any more time, though. As it is, we may already be too late. I'll continue to recall the encounter. I'll tell you, he fears for the safety of the wabbling cardson, and that he fears much of what Tumifra, one of the two sister sorceresses you encounter on Swine Island, said might indeed prove to be true. Unless we're able to get the code contained in these journals back to Cardson, there isn't much point in any of this, he says. The battle we hope to bring to the Grand Century will die in its infancy, and with that, the hope of a city long held under a black spell. Recalling ours previous words with Dame Mazepak. Withhold your judgment on the Thane all three bear the marks common to a particular calamity from years back this i have heard and this i choose to believe sinister and seeped in mystery through the mast they might see do not doubt that he stands closer to our ranks than those of our enemy until we are able to pierce together what his purpose on the isle is and has been we should not concern ourselves with it We must assume he is combating the long arm of our enemy. Though those in in his court have dutifully kept me appraised of events, you ask the thief what it it is he knows or summarises regarding the masked vein, the two masked sorceresses, and the connection between Cardson and Sargon Island. You continue to recall the encounter. They're quite connected, he says, his shrewd eyes staring fiercely down the length of his crooked nose. Somewhere on the R is a massive quantity of this. He once again produces several shards of bone, holding up several fra- fragmented mineral pieces for you to see. It began months ago as a series of faint whispers passed on to me by members of the Rabble, infiltrated the court of the grand century six brave men hanged at the city of only days after their indiscretion their whispers led us to the coded journals and to the plans of the grand century to apply uh, to acquire an epic load of wave and bone. from where and for what purpose we did not then know which is plain enough that his gaze was drawn to Sarngard. You continue to recall the encounter. Owl's eyes narrow, and he suddenly asks you about the wounds you explored in the jagged hills of Sargard Isle. The realization that he knows more about your exploits than you previously guessed instinctively causes you to assume a guarded demeanour. The Master Thief seems to sense your uneasiness, but nevertheless repeats his pointed inquiry, Asking you specifically about the throne you found in the depths of the ruins. Once you're able to recall, the ornate, high-backed ashwood chair, adorned with iron inlays along its arms and across its sides, you also remember the vision you had in the presence of the throne. A walled city, its thick plumes of black smoke rising over its battlements looms into view, taking shape amidst a vast and lush forest, broad arcs of lightning cut across the sky above the city, and with each blinding flash, the towering and sinister silhouettes of three figures are plainly visible. You suddenly realise that you've been talking aloud, and to relays your recollection, the phone, and the vision you had to Owl, he seems unaffected by your words, and merely nods when you abruptly end your account. I've seen four others like it, he says, obviously referring to into the throne. Grand wooden thrones, tucked away in remote places, each undeniably similar to hers. They, I could only guess with regard to their purpose and history. For I'm certain neither you nor I would find the truth to be to our taste. Our pauses and turns to glance at the swirling portal that hovers against the back wall of the cave. I too saw the throne in the ruins, he says. Corrin sent me into the bog, while you were pressed with other matters. I dared not get too close to it, however, for I knew all too well the sinister power they possessed. Instead, I left and returned to the keep, where well, I found myself one afoul of some of its more dutiful guardians, and wound up in the cell in which you found me. You continue to recall the encounter. Intrigued by our tale about the four other wooden thrones you see, you ask him where he found them. In a cave in the hills east and north of Gradok, he says, as one in a hidden chamber in a lair that could be assessed through the sewers of Trithic, there is another in piledon in the wounds of a tower high in the mountains now falls silent and appears to be listening intently to the sounds of the forest that echo through the cave after nearly a minute's silence he again speaks his softly uttered revelation bearing words sent a chill at length of your spine the fourth i discovered only two years ago he says in the hall of the grand century, the very chair upon which the sorcerer lord of cards and sits is a throne of alder wood. Continue to recall the encounter. Your mind wheels beneath the weight of our sudden and profound revelations. Immediately begin to ponder the connection between those, those faces are concealed behind Wooden masks, fame Mazapax, the Grand Century Carson, and the two sorceresses you encountered on Schwine Isle, and the five wooden thrones the companion claims to have discovered. It's the kindling for some sleepless nights, says Al, as if he senses the sinister conclusions you are attempting to draw. I only wish I had time enough to slip into Stone Marsh and see what sort of chair good thane affords his backside through the mind that I still maintain his implications and all of this is something other than what it seems your, your memory stirred by your recollection of the, the conversation with Al who asked Carlyph about the thrones they are vessels by which the transversal of time is possible she says bluntly Our enemy's agents must make use of them. They contain immense power, and must not be used, save by those for whom they were crafted. Anyone found seated upon such a chair is, without question, in league with our nameless foe. There are numerous such foes to be be found in this world, evidence of other times and places, which our enemy attempted an incursion. The seer unfolds her hands and looks towards the door, where the chain-clad man still stands guards. He nods and returns the gesture. We still have time, she says, as if, as if the opposite notions momentarily worried her. But the enemy is coming for us again. Coming for you, Zoop. Give me the journals. Her request catches you off guard, and for a moment you pause... Hesitant to relinquish the journals you've used so long protecting, realizing, however, you have likely carried the books to their final destination, withdraw them from your belongings, and lay them on the table. Carleth quickly opens them and scans their contents. All right, I have unloaded all three of the leather journals. I've done this before," she says, looking at you up at you when she closes the third journal, and yes, it's as if I've never seen them, and now I have what I need. You've done well to make it this far with them. Unfortunately, their delivery marks the start of the most perilous stage of your journey. Oh, me there was lots of peril before. Kalith tells you that a code hidden in each of the journals will allow for an opening of a gate to a rift exists between different dimensions of time and place. In the ancient circles of Arcanum on this world, the Rift is known as the Chasm of Time, she says. It's a ca- it is into the chasm you must go, Zoop. If we are to defeat our enemy, we must adopt its strategy. Until now, we've used our waning powers over time to erase our own mistakes, to counter the enemy's tactics. What has been provided to us by these journals, we will now move directly, striking a blow the enemy cannot hope to perceive. For it will fall in the time and place where an entity, where we are an entity, yet unknown to our foe. Successful mission will ensure victory, for it will mean the hand of the enemy has never and will never touch this world. I've already put the journal secrets to use. But the opening of the gate will be up to you. Carliff pauses, a look of anguish passes over her youthful face. Before you can again speak, you ask her about the Wave and Pone and the part it must certainly play in all of this lies at the heart of this matter she says for it is a substance unaffected by the passage of time it is where indeed beyond the bounds of this reality and so it is sought by our enemy's agents we have our own allies in place through soup so for the present we need not worry about such things a steady stream of questions come to mind you begin to voice them to the seer. You ask her about Thane Mazabak, his connection to Tumwith and Humla, the witches of Carson, The effort to retake Sarn Gardens, Arncard Isle, Thane Poland's and Ruyo's order other appearances, illusions, secretive missions, the five platinum star coins you collected, the masked man with the fierce blue eyes, the etched stones, the stone and iron constructs, and Lucrogrim. There will yet be time to make those matters clear to you, she says. For well, It is no fault of your own they remain obscured. The affair is, as you perceive, complex, and few things are what they seem. There is something, however, we must know before we begin this next this last stage. Carliff told you by entering the chasm of time you'll be able to deliver a fatal blow to the plans of the nameless. Enemy before the enemy has even conceived of the endeavour of erasing the reality in which your world exists. You also learn, however, that some things will be forever changed by your actions, some large, some imperceptual, and some, perhaps, near to your heart. If you complete this mission, you will find some friends and allies who will never have known you, and others may become sworn enemies. No others still, Zoop, perhaps dear friends, who occupy stations in life that are far removed from your own, and still others who will not e- not have ever existed. You must accept that this will be, for there is no other path to victory. The past must be altered, and with its altering, you will be shifting the course of the future, words give you pause, as the enormity of the message they convey sinks into you. Difficult to receive, but you must know that it is necessary. Different presence from the one you know now, and a future far removed. And the dark one towards this world now mars- marches. is what must come to pass. Khalif removes her left hand from the table revealing a pair of small platinum coins previously concealed beneath her palm. You immediately recognized the coins to be identical to the five platinum star coins you already possess. I told you at our meeting on the hill that you were to return to me when you had all seven coins, she says, as she slides the curious objects across the table to you. You now have all seven, and you are standing before me. I would have to say that to this point, all has con- coalesced quite nicely. You must remember, though, that you and I have stood at this juncture before, seven times, to be precise. I've got two platinum star coins, and I now have seven. You ask Carla if how you are able to employ the platinum coins. She tells you the final piece required to open the gate is not yet there. You must understand the enormity of the tasks you are about to undertake, she says, her voice adopting a cautionary tone. My confederates and I no longer possess the power required to intervene in this reality. You must not fail in this the last and most perilous stage. You will turn here through the gate. That you may return here through the gate that will open but again, I warn you. The reality you find awaiting you when you emerge from the chasm may be vastly different than this one. Ask her what the final stage entails. She glances towards the door, and the chain-clad man standing next to it nods. Listen to me carefully, she says. Karlef opens her mouth, but pauses unnaturally. For a fleeting instant, your head feels like it's swimming. Dishawing, hurting sensation quickly fades, leaving no lingering effects. It's wake. You ask Harliff how you are to employ the platinum coins. She tells you they are the keys to allow, allow you to pass through the gate and enter the chasm of time. You must know the enormity of their task you are about to undertake, she says, her voice adopting a cautionary tone. My confederates and I no longer possess the power required to intervene in this reality. You must not fail on this, the last and most perilous stage. You may return here through the gates that were open. But again, I will warn you, the reality you find waiting when you emerge from the chasm may be vastly different than this one. You ask her what the final stage entails. She glances towards the door. And the chain clad man standing guard next to it nods. Listen to me carefully, she says. Karma tells you that when the gate is opened, you will pass into the chasm of time. You will be beyond even her reach. None of these previous junctures have we even opened the gate, she says. The last two junctures saw you arrive with the engines of the enemy immediately at your heels. Our last meeting in this chamber never took place. You burst through through the door, pursued by your fells, and fell in that very corner, taking steps this time, that we are not complete, caught completely off our guard. Still unclear about much of what has been said, you ask her what you must do upon entering the chasm. The chasm of time is a whiff between between the vacuum. There's multitudes of times and places, he says. It is a world void of wonder and terror. The seven coins you possess will lead you to your destination. You need only trust them to guide you without hesitation. Your destination will be somewhere in this world, Zub. But in the past, the seer glances at the chain-clad man standing at their door and then returns her gaze to you. Where the coins lead, lead you, you will encounter a young boy by the name of Willif tung In his possession, you are likely to find a book. This book. The book is this one. Cleves holds up one of the journals. It is the journal you discovered beneath the floor in the five knots inn in Migsburg. Soyed indeed are the histories of those journals, she says, noting your aroused interest. This one, which I believe you found in Migsboro, has perhaps the most tales to tell. It will be in young Waelif Tumok's possession. If it is not, he will know where to find it. You must acquire it, Zub, and you must destroy it. You You believe you now fully understand the purpose of your mission? By obtaining and destroying the journal of the past, the very book, book that presently lies just across the table from where you now sit, you will have significantly altered the course of events that will lead, have led up to this moment. It is Carliff's obvious belief, and your profound hope, that, that this particular alteration will have the desired effect of preventing the nightmarish finality of a nameless enemy's sinister designs. Suddenly, a dreadful thought dawns on you. Not willing to allow the notion to pass out your mind, you probably tell the sorcerer that you will not under any circumstances harm the child, even should your position bring your task to ruin. Even at the expense of the mission, she asks, though you sense you already knows your answer. You nod firmly. The seer is down below the table, picks up a small, worn, leather-bound book, which she hands to you. View! This small, worn, leather-bound book was given to you by a caliph, just before your excursion into the chasm of time. She tells you it may be useful to swap the book with the journal carried by Waylift Tomok. The book contains several rather dry treatises on warfare and politics, and a brief and incomplete history of the Tyson Monarchy. You'll do well to keep this with you, and exchange it for the journal, she says. Harming the child is not foreseen, so you need not fret over it. You must destroy the journal, Zoop. On this point, there can be no compromise. You told Clinef that you understand the task that looms before you, and that you're ready to enter the gate and embark on the last stage of your mission. She immediately glances at the leather clad man chain clad man standing guard at the door, and for the first time since you entered the chamber, she addresses him by name. What is it, Var? What is it, Verdor? Dor? A silent companion turns from the door, and looks at her. But says nothing they're coming she says rising for the table retreating to the far corner of the womb sooner than i anticipated but so it must be Zoop. for without what is about to happen none of what we hope will come to pass face the door you draw yourself into a defensive stance and square yourself with the door the seers silent chain Chenkai companion steps away from the door and retreats to her size. At that precise moment you hear the roar of fire on the passage outside, followed by old blood chilling scream, and the sound of heavy footfalls thundering in the direction of the door. Oh no. Looks like another of my fr- another of my companions has died. But don't worry. I will change things. All of you will live in the new timeline. Every single one of you. Okay. You will not die. In the new world, I will create. And even if it is a world without me. But it's probably not going to be, because that's that would that would ruin the game. <laughs> Without warning, a second reverberating war fills the passage outside. The door suddenly explodes in a ball of fire, showered with jagged shards of wood and twisted iron fragments. Ah, you needed a better door. As the door, as the smoke clears, your heart sinks. Stepping through the door, its heavy footfalls sending tremors, tremors through the door floor beneath your feet. It's a massive stone and iron construct. You clearly recall your numerous encounters with these fearsome beings on both Sangard and Swine Isle. The towering construct stomps in your direction, raising its massive, energy entwined fists, supposed to deal you a decisive blow. You step forward and boldly engage the Benemar. It's a massive construct. Yeah, and like the other ones, it's slowly increasing its strength. But I'm so far ahead of it that that doesn't really matter at all. Thing was, it'd actually be a lot deadlier if it didn't increase my strength and you just focused on hitting me. 41 XP. The massive stone and iron construct collapses into a smashed heap at your feet. Out arcs of golden energy leap across the shattered torso of the strange being for several moments in the wake of its demise, before abruptly vanishing. Before you can turn to discover the whereabouts of Karalith and her chain-clad companion, two more constructs emerge from the smoke-filled doorway. Without a second thought, you move to your left and assume a defensive stance. Prepared to engage the first of the lumbering giants. It's another massive construct. The towering construct smashes at you with its energy-entwined fists. And it's trying to make itself stronger. But it should have done that, you know, before it fought me. Too late for that now. You've slain your foe. 41 XP. Leaping over the heap of shattered bone and stone and twisted iron at your feet. You'll hurl yourself at the second construct in a frenzied assault. Oh yes, it smashes you with its energy-entwined fists. Yes, this is actually probably one of the easiest fights in this thing. Because it doesn't have any devastating attacks. 41 XP. And time to heal. You step back from the shattered remains of the destroyed construct. Just a broad arc of fire. Just a broad arc of fire. It whoops out of the smoke filled doorway. The deadly bolt of flame surges across the chamber towards you. So I can dodge fortification, elementalism, shadow magic. I'll use elementalism. You succeeded. 16 XP to elementalism. You call upon your power of elementalism and focus on the hurtling bolt of flame. The arc of the arc of fire flares brightly for a split second before rapidly fading to little more than a smouldering ember that bounces harmlessly off your chest. Having survived the deadly attack unscathed, prepare to move towards the door, eager to prevent the possibility of a second blast. You covered less than five yards when you suddenly freeze, emerging from the slope-filled doorway. Its broad fists, entwined with with crackling tines of golden energy, is a massive, stone and iron construct. Behind the towering being, you make out the silhouette of yet another of its kin. The fierce Empenemoth stomps across the chamber towards you. Its fists ways to deal you a deadly blow. It's another massive construct. Smashes at you with its energy entwined fists. Sometimes it makes itself stronger, but not strong enough, and is slain. Forty-one XP. You step round the heap of shattered stone and twisted iron, and bravely hold your ground against the swift advance of the second construct. Here it goes. Just gonna bash that. Sometimes it hits. Sometimes it hits me with his fists. And sometimes it makes itself stronger, like the ones in, like the ones in that ruin where I first saw the throne. A mighty, the mighty being of forty-one XP, the mighty being of stone and iron, collapses into a smashed heap at your feet. Arcs of golden energy leap from the shattered torso of the strange being for several moments, in the wake of its demise. Before ultimate. "'abruptly vanishing, your eyes wander to the doorway "'where your gaze falls upon a tall, slender, unmistakably phenomine silhouette emerging from the smoke. "'For an instant your heart leaps "'as you assume the approaching figure is that of Carla. With. Your, mo- "'Your moment of fleeting hope swiftly turns to dismay "'as you behold the wobed staff-wielding figure "'that steps into view.' Standing at the edge edge of the dead smoke that fills the doorway, her gaunt form, framed by a billowing wall of vapour at her back, is the mass sorceress Umla. Her eyes, her eyes narrow. She fixes her chilling gaze upon you. She taps the butt of her staff against the floor. and In an instant, the lengthy weapon is ablaze with crimson flame. Time has run out, she hisses, stepping forward, masterfully brandishing her flame weave staff. You've long been deserving of the fate my, my sister so joyfully dealt your pitiful friend. With unbridled hatred welling up from the pit of your soul, you throw yourself at the mass sorceress, prepared to fight her to the finish. It's humbler At last, I'm actually fighting them. Humlet strikes at you with her flaming staff. Yeah, she hasn't. No. She's not surrounded by about a bazillion silver arms, as all this time. So I can just fight her. Gonna chop her up for Owl. An Orlane. An Ormorak. And the rest of the rabble, lots of people, they are avenged. You have slain your foe. 512 XP. You step back from Homla's weaving corpse and turn to look for Cardiff. There is no sign of the seer in the smoke-filled chamber, but you immediately spot her silent companion, Velador, making his way towards you. We must go now, he says his gentle, almost venomine voice, the furthest from what you'd expected. There is no time left. Open the gate! I, you can will it open. I will come with you. The sudden, fearing sounding, fear-inspiring sound of heavy footfalls approaching on the passage outside the chamber and an even deeper sense of urgency to Velidor's directive, without knowing quite what you're doing but feeling as if you're being guided by an unseen force. You take hold of the seven platinum coins and cut them in your hands. Valador steps closer to you, but suddenly pauses unnaturally in mid-step. For a fleeting instant, your head feels like it's swimming. The disorientation sensation fades quickly as it arose, leaving no lingering effects in its wake. We must go now, says Validor. His gentle, almost venomous voice, the furthest from what you'd expected. There was no time left. Open the gate, if you can will it open. I will come with you. The sudden, fierce, fear-inspiring sound of heavy footballs approaching on the passage outside the chamber adds an even deeper sense of urgency to Validor's directive, without knowing quite what you're doing, almost as if you're feeling, feeling you're being guided by an unseen force. You take hold of the seven platinum coins and cup them in your hands. Your eyes widen as a wide, pulsing black vortex swiftly takes form in front of you. You glance at Valdor and he nods, booting for you to enter the portal. Without further hesitation, you step forward into the summoned gate. You immediately find yourself tumbling through a lifeless void. As you fall into the void, you struggle to gain control over your motion. In an effort to stop from spinning wildly in all directions, to a lengthy struggle, you manage to steady yourself. Almost immediately, you catch sight of Velador plummeting down from above, his arms outstretched as if he believes it will somehow slow his descent. Before you can attempt to communicate with your newfound companion, you once again begin to spin and flip imphazardly. You gain control of your motion and manage to turn oh, over so that your gaze is focused upwards in an attempt to spot Valador. Your heart skips a beat and a deep sense of dread washes over you as your eyes settle upon a new and welcome sight. Tumbling through the void above you, in a space occupied by Valador only moments ago, is the mass sorceress Tumifra from above the whim of the black and wooden mask that covers her face, her fierce green eyes blaze with hatred. So at that moment you realise, you realise a fight to the death with the last living witch of Cardson is your immediate destiny. And that finishes that little, that finishes that scenario with... 3,072 experience to General, 512 experience to all skills and powers. And then we can move on to part four, the Older Throne. What is and what will be may not be what it was. So the next scenario is the Chasm of Time. That's that's in five parts. So there's a lot of stuff going on. What will I see? Well, that will be for another time. But until then, once more I save. Farewell, fellow adventurers.
0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.